Welcome to Blue Jays Happy Hour, episode 30. We are back uh, briefly in the midst of all of the lockout nonsense. We've been sporadic here, but we thought we would come back to give you a good old year in review. And, you know, we, we think of baseball being such a summer thing. We don't think of it in terms of calendar years as much, but a lot has happened for the Blue Jays in 2021. Like, even if it, we're going to run through chronologically, but you start in January, you head to the end of the year. Like, lots of stuff happened both before and after the 2021 season which was a hell of a season in and of itself. Like what is, I don't know, before we kind of dive into it, Stone, what is sort of your takeaway of Blue Jays in 2022? Like January 1st, 2022, what are you going to think about the Blue Jays that you maybe didn't think January 1st, 2021? Oh, uh, well, that they're definitely contenders, I guess. I mean, I kind of thought that, I presumed that they would be and, and they were moving towards that direction a year ago. But, uh, but I mean, I think it's really cemented now you know, the way that they are viewing themselves and the way that the front office and the ownership is, is viewing this team, uh, which is good. You know, I, I I think there was still some uncertainty. You know, a year ago they had Ryu. They didn't yet have Springer. Um, and they didn't yet have that breakout from Vlad and, and you know, a nice year from Bo and all that. And, uh, and, and it was very much sort of more theoretical. And now I think it's a lot more concrete that this is a team that, that's going to be very good for a long time. Yeah, and I, I think coming into 2021, there was a notion that, you know, maybe this was sort of a dip year or a bridge year. You know, 2020, obviously bizarre season. You know, the Blue Jays made that expanded playoffs. That wasn't a great team, the 2020 Blue Jays. You know, they were kind of fun in their own way. And it was sort of the Teoscar Hernandez coming out party. Like, there were aspects of it to embrace. But if the Blue Jays had said, you know what, you know, we're going to kind of use 2021 to build ourselves up, no one would have been happy about that they wanted to see those big additions but it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility that 2021 was going to be this year where you kind of consolidated and saw what you had in the young players and then maybe made a move at the deadline if you were in it but and we're going I guess we can just kind of get into it right away they hit the ground running in January I mean they made all these signings you know Tyler Chatwood I believe was the first one so that's when you knew that they were on the road to contention uh, and then they had Kirby Yates. So yeah, they, they really started hot, uh, in January, but you know, the, those, that was the first 8.5 million of the over $400 million it would end up giving out in 2021. And obviously the big domino is George Springer. And, you know, we saw Ryu, so we knew that they had flipped the switch a little bit, but there's always those excuses you could have around Ryu. Like he had an injury history and they kind of gave him the other year and you know he was a, a Korean pitcher so maybe he was more willing to come to Canada than some other players would be and then with George Springer you have you know an American guy who's by many people's reckoning the best free agent available coming to the Toronto Blue Jays and that was something totally new for this year of Blue Jays baseball. Yeah, and a guy, you know, there was, as I'm sure people will recall, there was all that talk about the Mets, and he's from Connecticut, and that's, you know, closer than Toronto to there, and, and you know, the Mets, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, I think he made the right choice in not going to that tire fire uh, of a franchise, but, uh, but yeah, that was definitely a, a shift, and even, you know, we could even see, you know, with the year's perspective, and obviously Ryu was already under contract a year ago, but... Uh, you know that's a that's a, a, a an eighty million dollar deal that you know that that doesn't seem that huge at this point and maybe we weren't thinking about it that way but but the Springer deal you know six years hundred fifty million dollars um, is still is still real significant and uh, and and obviously you know to have that 
to have that come through into a, 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 was was game changing, I think, for them. Even though on the field, you know, he was great when he played, but he only played half a year. But uh, but but you know, yeah, I think that that definitely, uh, as I was saying before, sort of just solidified you know what they are and what they're trying to do. Yeah, and the other aspect of it, like he was always a fit because no one liked the idea of Randall Grichuk in center field over the long term. But he wasn't sort of this crying need the same way that Ryu was. Like when they signed Ryu, like they needed a pitcher. Uh, they really needed someone at the front of that rotation. And when they signed Springer, it felt like more that they wanted him and that they wanted uh, to push things forward. And that's what that, and like you said, you know, he ultimately played less than half the games of the season. He was really good for most of it. He played hurt and wasn't very effective for some of it as well. But, you know, a, a few days later, they're signing Marcus Semyon, way more consequential to what ended up being the 2021 Blue Jays. However, signing Springer meant a lot more. And, I mean, we'll see how much more it means over the next years of that contract. But signing Semyon was the sort of move that they would have done in the past. And it worked out better than you could possibly imagine. And it was a fantastic idea to go out and get him. And the impact can't be uh, overstated. But the signing of Springer was a much bigger, I mean, obviously more years, more money, but it was a little bit of a paradigm shift. Whereas the Semyon signing was more like really good business that went as well as you could imagine. Same with the Ray thing. Like when they re-signed Ray on a one-year deal to rebuild his value, that's the sort of thing they would have done in the past. It just happened to work out insanely well. Yeah. And and I think that's been an interesting sort of frame to view this off season through so far, you know, even though it's obviously on pause, uh, because the, you know, those, those kind of moves are out there where it's like, all right, well, we'll take a flyer on this. I mean, $18 million is, is, is quite a flyer for Marcus Simeon, but, uh, but you know, there are, there are guys out there, you know, I wrote about in, in a piece today, like, uh, like Jeff McNeil of the Mets is potentially being dangled in trades. And there's an interesting lefty bat for the infield, uh, you know, who had a bad year and, and has some red flags in his profile and, uh, and and there are a few guys around, you know, uh, Kyle Seager, who just retired, was another guy who, you know, hit was a league average hitter, still plays good defense. You know, had he not retired, was a guy that definitely people would be looking for for the Jays as, you know, maybe a reclamation project. And uh, and they're, they're certainly, you know, they're certainly past that. And, and last year, you know, a year ago in January, that was they were sort of stra- straddling that line where it's like, OK, we're signing Springer. But also, you know, you know, it, it's easy to forget now. But like Simeon was coming off a bad year. And even though it was, you know, just a 60 game year. So the year is definitely in pretty, pretty large quotation marks. And he had the playoffs that were good. And, and there were reasons to think, you know, things would work out as well as they did. But but. But it worked out spectacularly well, obviously. But that was definitely a, a a move that, like you say, the old Blue Jays would make, and a team that is uh, not as fully turned towards you know pushing that window of contention as wide open as they possibly can might make. Uh, and and I, you you feel it a bit this year, I think, this winter because you know the moves are going to have to continue to be bold and big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea of losing Ray and Simeon is something that we went into the offseason at least expecting to lose one and, you know, probably to lose both. The team was never going to just let those holes linger. Like, you can't necessarily totally replace that, and whoever comes into the infield probably won't be as good as Simeon. We've said that before. But it's not like the team was going to let those guys go and just add nothing there. And, you know, it would be pretty shocking if they don't get an infielder and they got Gosman and that just shows where they're at, where it's, they don't say, oh, 2021 was this magical year where we hit on some guys 
well, we're just going to have to march ahead and kind of do our thing. They said, okay, this was a, a high level of success. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs and we'll get to that. Um, but we're going to do whatever we can, like you said, to push that window of contention forward. So February uh, is one of those months of the 12. We're going to go, some of these months, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And some of them are going to go like that. February is one of those months. So February, the Blue Jays started the Joel Piamps dance with the Red Sox that would continue for weeks and weeks and weeks. They ultimately got their man, and that was somewhat good for a bit. Uh, they added Travis Bergen, Joe Panic, who would later be important, but not for anything he did on the field. Um, David Phelps, Tommy Malone. There's a guy you kind of forget that made a start for the Blue Jays at one point last year. Was it just uh, one? I, he, you know, I mean, he, it might have been a couple. I don't uh, remember, but <laughs> I tried to put that out of my mind. But yeah, definitely a guy who, uh, you know, on your on your trivia lists of if you're if you're trying to bring up 2021 Blue Jays, uh, might be uh, might be forgotten. Francisco Liriano. That was an interesting one, just because I feel like there was so much. I mean, hype would be an exaggeration, right? We're talking about uh, end of the bullpen type guy, but there was a lot of chatter that like, oh, here's another lefty who could make an impact um, and they have the familiarity with him and they like him and he's got the big slider and he can handle lefties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just nothing came of that. And really that's February. Like there really wasn't anything. Uh, that's about it, which I guess, you know, that's kind of what you expect of February is that you add some of those finishing depth pieces the offseason has kind of been pushed back a little bit in recent years, although this year's a different case for obvious reasons. So sometimes you see guys hitting in February, but this is sort of what you expect. March is interesting because there was a lot of uh, spring training stuff that ended up being meaningful. Like it, you know, Every year we're so thirsty for baseball to come back. We want things to matter that happen in spring training. We get excited about them. We want to write about the player who's going to be coming out of nowhere to be a huge hit or the prospect who's looking great and might come up middle of the season. And, you know, more often than not, it's bullshit, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, because they're playing shitty players on the other side, like it's really hard to scout the quality of competition and how much those players care. And those players might be trying to throw you a million curveballs because that's what they're working on. Like it's a very weird thing. And yet for the Blue Jays, Vladdy was incredible in spring. And there was the whole, you know, body transformation component to that. So that seemed to be based in something a little bit more than him having a few hot at bats in Florida. Robbie Ray was really good in spring and then had that little extra velocity. Steven Matz was really good in spring as well. So it seemed like kind of the Blue Jays spring storyline guys. Um, those guys carried over to the regular season. Large, like Josh Palacios and Riley Adams, you know, didn't end up being great. Espinal was good in the spring. He was good in the season. Like the guys who sucked in the spring, Danny Jansen, George Springer, that didn't really carry over. But it's more than you normally get. Like more often than not, you can really flip a coin whether spring stuff is meaningful, if that. And in this case for the Blue Jays, it seemed like kind of the majority of the stuff you saw had some bearing on the season to come. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, obviously the big ones are Ray and, and, and Vladdy and Mats. But, but yeah, the Vlad thing clearly uh the the physical transformation and that's you know something that we will probably continue to talk about for uh you know for for a while i don't know for you know how long we sort of feel that that that's necessary to talk about hopefully he just you know continues to look great and and uh and, and hit great uh but that was obviously a thing and it's easy to forget now that 
that you know uh the 2020 that he had wasn't wasn't great and the 2019 he had wasn't great uh and was you know was fine especially for you know a 19 20 year old in the big leagues but also was not you know didn't live up to the hype which was almost impossible to do and yet the, you know in 2021 he did live up to the hype and and seeing that and seeing him you know not put the ball on the ground nearly as much was definitely an encouraging thing and uh and Matson Ray I don't know if we were you know thinking about them as you know who's going to start in a playoff series at that point but uh um uh, but obviously that was like really indicative of, of uh, you know, what a, what a well-oiled machine the Jays, you know, pitching development kind of uh, apparatus is. And, and, you know, Pete Walker is the head of that spear and, uh, and and identifying things that could really help guys. And you could see them sort of right away. And I, I think, you know, uh, those were good examples of, or those are like, like, I don't know, like Robbie Ray being able to locate his fastball or, you know, locate literally anything compared to where he was you know, the previous season. Uh, that's something that I think you can take away from spring. And I think, like I said, with the Vladdy and, and not hitting the ball on the ground as much, uh, you know, those are sort of more, you know, they're not like sort of traditional spring storylines, but I think those are sort of like the the granular things uh, that uh, that you can see in spring and be like, okay, maybe this does, you know, maybe this is something that can endure um, more so than just like looking at the stat line, you know, in the overall. Yeah, I think if Vladdy hadn't lost all that weight, then we wouldn't have put our hopes too much into that spring results, right? It would have been like, oh, he's got a hot spring. Hopefully he can keep it going. I think, you know, if he had never lost any of that weight, we probably would have expected him to have a strong season. Um, we would have expected him to take a step forward just kind of based on his age and his history and whatnot. However, you know, there's a difference between a step forward from where he was in 2020 and being a credible MVP candidate, right? So that that was a big part of that story arc. With with Ray, it was interesting too because a lot of it was velocity. I mean, we always think of Ray as a guy who throws hard because he's had all these strikeouts. And he throws relatively hard for a lefty, but he had a pretty big jump, especially in spring training. Like It seems like he was really hammering those 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastballs and that's a big deal for a guy like him, and we've talked about this quite a few times, who just sort of pounds the strike zone and has way more control and command. And that's, I think, a little bit of an underrated part of the race story is that because he had a little bit of a velocity boost, he had that margin for error when he was filling the zone with fastballs that weren't necessarily in the best spots. And when those are 95, 96, as opposed to, you know, 93, 94, that can make a pretty big difference. And that's what we were starting to see. And in spring training... You know, I, I'm kind of obsessed with pitcher stuff, probably more than results to my detriment at times. And that's how I get fall in love with Anthony Castro. Um, <laughs> but in spring, that's kind of what you look at because, you know, it's small sample and it's weird, you know, it's weird competition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you really kind of zero in on the stuff. And it did seem that Ray had this stuff boost. The thing with him is like, okay, cool. Is he ever going to throw strikes consistently? And that was a valid question before, but he, you know, he answered it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, relatively quickly on and into April. And so we'll start in April here as, uh, you know, we promised chronological order. No need to jump around. Um, so they had a 12 and 12 record in April. One thing I'm going to say as we go through these months, I think there's this notion, to be fair, months are sort of arbitrary cutoffs. I understand that. But there's sort of a notion that the Blue Jays had this, up and down type of season and they really did have you know a huge surge at the end there but they were pretty consistent not in a great way 
but they were pretty consistent in the first months of the season. Like they really did hover. They didn't have a disaster month. They kind of hovered around 500 just above. Uh, I don't think they fell below 500 in any month. April was their worst at 12 and 12. They were kind of consistently fine for much of the season, but I didn't really feel that way. I think, you know, we'll talk about sort of what was going well and what was going poorly. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like things were clicking at the same time. So it's understandable. There was this sort of inconsistent feel around the team, but the results themselves were somewhat inconsistent, uh, somewhat consistent. So April is really when we see the Vladdy mega season beginning. Like he's truly awesome out of the gate, close to 500 OBP, um, you know, the best here in the league. One thing we forget is that Semyon was bad. Like in April, Semyon was not good. And it was the stuff that he ended up doing well. It didn't look good at the time. Like it looked like he was yanking everything. It looked like he was trying too hard to get the ball in the air. We were thinking, you know, he's almost kind of hitting like a guy who maybe thinks he has more power than he has. I remember thinking that watching him. I wasn't panicking because he was playing great defense and, you know, the track record was there, etc. But he really... You know, in that first month of April, he slashed 211, 290, 368, often from the top, from the top of the lineup. Like that's really bad. And the and then the the Springer waiting for Springer to arrive was the other sort of big thing in the lineup. He played the last two games of April as a DH, didn't really do anything. One thing we forget with the pitch, I think in the pitching in April, one thing we'll remember is Merriweather. Like he looked like this top flight totally unhittable closer throwing close to 100 multiple secondary pitches that looked good like it was and he he looked good at times in 2020 but he looked incredible and i think we're talking about four games here to be honest yeah but he looked like a guy who could be a huge difference maker you know we talked about it you never put faith in julian merriweather for reasons that are not his fault um but that was really uh that really stood out. Robbie Ray stood out uh, as well. Matt's got off to a good start, but Ryu was actually their best pitcher in April. And I kind of, I kind of forget that Ryu had some pretty good stretches during the season. Like he had a 2.60 ERA. He led the lead, He led the team in WAR. He walked less than a batter per nine. Like he looked really sharp out of the gate. Like he very much looked like that ace that the Blue Jays had in 2020. Um, yeah, so and, and then what we really had is a rotation where beyond Ryu, Mats, and Ray, everything else was garbage. Like TJ Zoic, Tanner Roark, Trent Thornton, openers, like anything that wasn't those three guys was terrible. Zoic is just, I don't know, I couldn't stand it, to be honest, at the start of the season when people were, were trying to say that, like, oh, he's throwing a little bit harder. Oh, we're trying some stuff with him. I'm like, I never believed that a guy who can't strike anyone out at AAA has potential to be a starter in the MLB. Like, unless you've got some insane arm angle or, like, crazy movement on some kind of... And he has a sinker. It had above-average movement, but not to a crazy degree. And they just seem to be pushing Zoic as a guy who could help, and I just I never found myself believing it for a second. Yeah, uh, he's in the Jacob Wagusback sort of category, and... Uh, you know, God love TJ Zoic, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there, <laughs> there's definitely a tier of guys that the Jays had collected over the previous several years. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like Thomas Pannone was there for a bit, and you know, I, you know, Trent Thornton is sort of backsliding into that as well. Maybe Anthony Kay. 
uh, of guys who, you know, they 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 didn't have AAA depth for a long time, and then they got it, and then you know you saw it a little too often in the big leagues, uh, as as you did with Tanner Roark. I mean, did he make it through April? I, I'm looking yeah. at your notes here. I don't know if he comes up again, but no, he he does not. Um, he, he it's interesting with Roark because I think with baseball people can have just bad years like some people at times like serviceable or even good players can have just bad years especially 2020 it's a weird situation but it was so clear through 2020 that he was just busted that he had nothing to offer um you know his stuff had just you know his stuff had always been not always been fringy but kind of later in his 30s or not his late 30s but in later in his career into his 30s it had started to get pretty fringy and it just fell off a cliff in 2020. And I understand why, you know, they're paying him a decent amount of money. He has a track record. Let's see if he can bounce back. But I, one thing I respect is that they cut bait with him pretty quickly. You know, he, he came back, he was throwing the same garbage and they, you know, they were like, you know, this is not going to work. See you later, Roark. And they washed their hands of him. And that was a really good call because being patient with them only would have cost them, you know, a couple more games probably. True. Yeah. I mean, the, the sooner Alec Manoa got up, the better, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's the big sto- May story. Also, you know, it, w- it would be foolish of me not to mention Blue Jays Happy Hour launches April 2021. I believe it was the last day of April. Um, but it, was, it was a late start. That's fine. Um, so then we, we get to May and it's a you know 15 and 13 again kind of okay it's a 25 plus run differential so we're starting to get that pattern where they're maybe playing better than their record indicates but at the end of may they're five and a half out of the division and one and a half out of the wild card now that's not out of the picture by any means but that's falling behind um ryu is really good again ray had a rough month 460 ra 539 fifth i don't really remember reaching an inflection point where I was doubting if Ray was a thing, but I guess I kind of did because we talked about it with, when we had Ben Nicholson Smith on, we did the over-unders. We had an over-under about Ray's walks that ended up being way, way, way off. And it was around that time. So I guess there there was some faltering by, by Ray. Stripling is kind of locking down a rotation spot at this point. Manoa, you know, we joke a lot about how when we started this podcast, it was all Manoa talk all the time. And that's that's really what it was. And it's because in this time, the Blue Jays needed a pitcher badly. His level of dominance at AAA was in very limited um, action, was incredible. And so on May 24th, you know, this I think this is kind of the big moment in May is Alec Manoa making his MLB debut against the Yankees. Six innings, two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, no runs against, 88 pitches and 60 strikes, which seems kind of important. One, efficiency, and second, strike throwing, when both of those things had been a question. Like, he he just looked like everything you possibly could imagine. Like, he'd just kind of come out of AAA and been plopped in the major leagues. Now, we saw that that wasn't ultimately the way it was going to be all the time, despite the fact he had a great rookie season, but it really was one of those times where someone is billed as being this big deal and they arrive and they absolutely look the part and that that is one of my biggest memories of the 2021 season is that first start by Manoa especially because we had sort of invested so much time and mental bandwidth in uh in this guy but it was and he had his mom on tv which was a nice moment like she was going nuts for it and and yeah but i but you know people pouring over grainy triple a broadcasts and, <laughs> and and just getting uh 
incredibly enthused about what he was able to do because he sort of teased it in spring as well, right? Which was the which was also the big thing that uh, also against the Yankees as he, he made the debut against. But there, there were there were a couple outings in spring where it was just like, okay, this is uh, this is different than what we expected. Uh, you know, we'd always kind of, he'd he'd been a top ten prospect guy. Obviously, he was you know a first round pick, good you know a, an excellent arm out of the draft. Uh, but it was definitely very fast that that he made his way into the conversation of like call him up, um, but clearly just something you know he he shifted gears and was was a different guy than than uh, than than a lot of pitching prospects are you know as the, you know the contrast always uh, maybe forever is going to be with Nate Pearson who you know uh, has you know higher octane stuff and throws harder and everything but just has not been able to stay healthy and not been able to. Uh, you know, keep guys off the bases, and uh, and and I think that that's obviously uh, uh something that I know that you know, did very well and did very quickly in a way that is probably uh, detrimental to other pitching prospects because it doesn't come that easily for most. Yeah, and, and Nate Pearson did make uh, his debut for the season in May as well, and he got rocked in a two inning start, and he walked everybody. And it was weird. It seemed like they kind of reached for him out of desperation and the timing wasn't quite right. And they were sort of hoping that he'd hit the ground running and he did the exact opposite of that. And that's when we started, like you said, making that contrast. I remember we had a discussion. Like, if you could only have Manoa Pearson right now, uh, who would you have? And I think you said Manoa and I was still a little bit cautious and I said Pearson. But it's funny because, you know, by the end of this season, like, that's a laughable question. You know, like, we're here in December Seven months later, in theory, not that much baseball has been played, but based on Pearson's health and Manoa's remarkable success, like they're not even close. To, like there's plenty of tiers of value between Nate Pearson and Alec Manoa. If you were going to go on the trade market or however you want to measure that, like the the gap is pretty significant. And that's not to say that there's a world where Pearson comes back and becomes everything you want him to be. Uh, but like we say, the the door on that is closing, and the sliver of light there is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And if you want to bet on a guy, uh, betting on the guy who was extremely successful in his rookie season uh, seems like the better way to go. That's for sure. For sure. And also, I think some of you know the, the <laughs> this is sort of why I think we sort of missed that Ray had a rough month is because uh, <laughs> there there was a disaster at the back end of the rotation at this stage. Yeah, he, 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 you know, 460 ERA wasn't so bad compared to some of the other stuff that was going on, that's for sure. Uh, in terms of hitting, you know, Vladdy kept going, not quite at the same pace, but at a pace where, you know, it wasn't a hot streak anymore. It was a hot start. Semyon took off, so that's when we first, you know, he had a 200 WRC plus in May. He never, he kind of never really looked back from that point. George Springer had that May 1st game where he hit two home runs. One of them was 470 feet, I believe. It was like the second or third longest home run in Blue Jays' stat cast year history. And he basically won that game for the Blue Jays. And it was sort of, uh, okay, this is, you know, we've waited and like it's been a rough start. And he, he looked a little tentative in the first couple of games. But okay, this is George Springer. Um, if, you know, that's not how it played out. But there was that moment where we thought, oh, okay, George Springer has 100% arrived. This is what this lineup can be. Um, everything is right in the world. And uh, he played one more game, and then he left due to fatigue or whatever they said at the time. Um, that was very stupid. He was clearly injured, and he didn't play again until June 22nd. Like That was a very odd saga, and I don't think you or I are really 
the type of people who have too much in- indignation about like we were lied to and blah blah, blah. like I, like part of it is sort of the nature and like you know the cost of doing business and sometimes the information they have isn't perfect and they don't want to put the wrong stuff out there but that seemed like a case where they just made a few unforced errors in terms of the way they communicated that because it was clear to anyone who was watching that game that he was not coming out of the game due to fatigue. I don't know if the fatigue was exactly the words they used, but he was clearly hurt. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's okay to say if somebody's hurt, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it was Buck and Dan or Buck and Pat on the broadcast, but like it was just, you know, anyone watching on TV, which, you know, because of the nature of the season was pretty much literally everybody. Uh, heard them talking about, you know, they're just showing replays and slowed down of him clutching at his, his hamstring or, uh, or whatever part of his leg that was hurt. I think it was the hamstring and, uh, you know, and, and, and pulling up and then being taken out from the game. And so it was, it was definitely, uh, an unforced error, as you say, not their finest moment when they're like, Oh no, he was just fatigued and he'll be back in a couple of days. And then a couple of days turned into a couple more days and, uh, it was a bit ridiculous, and it, it, all of that is a shame because, you know, I mean, Charlie <laughs> Charlie Montoya was starting at such a point of uh, where he can't win from so many people already that uh, that stuff like that is just only making matters worse and making it, you know, making my life worse because I have to sift through the, the discourse about Charlie Montoya, uh, you know, every summer forever and ever, apparently. I mean, the degree to which you sift is somewhat within your control. True, true, true. But it's uh, but there you do you do have to do some sifting. Uh, yeah, I, it's just it's, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like just get on board for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, like this is the manager. Are you going to really spend the next however many years he's here just crying about how you don't like him and think he's losing games? Like, just just find reasons, find the positive in the situation because it's not changing. Please, for the love of God, people. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the way that situation changes is basically if things go sour enough that, you know, a Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro feels like, you know, like, why do managers ever fire? I mean, why do general managers ever fire managers? It's because their job security is starting to feel under threat and they need another card to play. And the Blue Jays front office is so far away from that. Um, at this point, like they're really have been embraced by ownership that they're not going to feel the need to make a move in that area unless things go downhill in an incredibly profound way that probably isn't worth contemplating right now. Fair. Yeah. Okay. June. We're, we're almost halfway there. It's another, see another month, 14 and 12. This is kind of what the Blue Jays were like, even though they felt better than that, um, Run differential was better, tw- plus 27. By the end of June, they're eight and a half out of their vision, five and a half out of the wild card. So that's really danger zone area where like you're a, you're a bad stretch away from being kind of permanently out of it. This was Vladdy's best month, 220 WRC plus, 10 home runs. Reese McGuire was good. Um, I don't think we need to, you know, dwell on that, but like he was, he was, he really sort of held down the catcher spot when they were having problems. Um, George Springer returns to center field. That felt big. The fact that when he was ready to return, he returned to center field, not DH. I think that that kind of, and he made a couple of relatively decent plays sort of in his early games too. Um, the bullpen was such a big problem. Merriweather is gone. Chatwood 
Trent Thornton, who had Montoya's trust to like a bizarre degree throughout the year. Anthony Castro, all those guys are imploding. Um, this was kind of, yeah, this was probably the low light for, and that, that helps explain how you have a plus 27 run differential in your 14 and 12. And this is when the Blue Jays start to make moves and address it, right? So they got Jacob Barnes from the Mets. That didn't really turn out. Into, it looked, it looked okay. Actually, at the beginning, Barnes had a few good outings. He had that cutter. You thought maybe he could do something, but he, he could not. He could not. Um, Adam Simber. This is the trade that will continue to be bizarre. I, I know it's about eating the money and it's about Miami being cheap, but Miami would then this offseason go on to spend money, so I don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, Adam Simber through 2023, so two and a half years of him, plus a fairly useful Corey Dickerson who was injured at the time for Joe Panic. Like, I don't I don't even know why Miami would have taken on. I don't know what their utility infielder situation was at the time. But the idea of taking on panic doesn't make sense. He's probably really just money going back the other way. And then Andrew McInvale, who is sort of a nothing prospect. Like this is, you know, Simber was really good off the top. He was pretty good for the vast majority of the season. He's going to be a big part of the bullpen in 2022 and probably 2023 as well. Like, yeah, he's got a ton of control still left. Yeah. yeah, like he's not, I mean, it's hard to say someone's a steal when they're kind of a complimentary piece, but he's a pretty good complimentary piece. And the Blue Jays got him for absolutely nothing. Um, you know, what else is going on? And the starters, Ray's looking good again. He's bounced back from May. So now we're kind of getting a more complete picture of, okay, he's having this big year. Stripling was great also. This is another thing that was a little bit weird for a second. There was a lot of sort of Pete Walker talk. Oh, this guy has, you know, he's fixed his mechanics. He's figured it out. Remember when he was an all-star? He was good in Los Angeles. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, all that discourse came back. And I'm not being dismissive of it because I'm sure I probably participated to some degree. I can't remember to which degree, but I probably said some things that don't sound good now. But he had a great stretch. Uh, the wheels start coming off. This is when Ryu and Matt started to struggle. Manoa is doing okay. Like, he was keeping runs off the board, but the peripherals were pretty scary. He was giving up a bunch of home runs. The whole his velocity would also be quite inconsistent to start to start, which actually would continue for much of the season. Um, which was it was a little bit of a pullback on the because he had arrived, he had that amazing debut, and then the next couple times out, he didn't always have the same velocity, and he had some home run problems, and the the hit batters continued to be an issue. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it was. It's not like we were panicking about Manoa, but there was a little bit of a reality check on like, okay, maybe this guy's not going to dominate the entire league um, from the get-go, which we, you know, we needed. We needed that. Um, yes, absolutely. I think the stripling thing is, was, was fascinating. And, and it's sadly, it still gives me a little bit of, of, of hope for him, which uh, <laughs> is probably dumb on my part. I think, I mean, he's probably fine. As a, I know the Blue Jays, there's a decent chance they get another pitcher. But I think if he's your fifth starter, that's not a nightmare. Like, there's a lot of teams who would be fine with Stripling as a fifth starter. As long as you also have some depth, with the, which the Blue Jays do, especially if Pearson is anything. Um, so then we July, another similar month, 12 and 11. But this is a plus 34 run differential. Uh, and the things actually got better because some of those teams that were pushing in the wild card like Oakland and Seattle teams like that that were decent but not as good as they'd shown pulled back a little bit so they're actually only three and a half games out of the wild card even though they had a mediocre month 
Uh, July is all about trades. Like you get early in the month, you got Trevor Richards. This is through 2024 and Bowden Francis, who's just kind of a, you know, he could be a bullpen guy at some point. He's a depth arm really uh, for Rowdy Telez, which uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting because there's quite a lot of hope for Telez coming to season. Like he had shown so well in 2020. Um, the lineup lacked left-handed bats. You know, I, I think the reality is that with Vladdy moving to first base, they just weren't going to, unless Telez was like awesome, unless he was like incredible, like cannot keep his bat out of the lineup over the long term, you're just not going to keep him and Vladdy on the same team. Like it, it would have taken a really, you know, just a higher level than Telez is capable of over a long period of time. Now, to be fair, like a Freddie Freeman, perhaps. Yeah. Like a Freddie, a Freddie Freeman type. Yeah, I mean, Telez actually was incredible when he arrived in Milwaukee for a little stretch, which caused some consternation for Blue Jays fans. But, you know, I think Telez is, is a complimentary player. He's a, you know, a part-time starter, platoon guy, bench bat, pinch hitter type. And Trevor Richards is a complimentary player. He's a not quite back of the rotation, a little bit of extra length, but can miss some bats, good changeup. Like in the end, I think it's kind of a fair trade. Like both teams got a player that fits what they're trying to do and what they needed better. And I don't think anyone hosed anyone. And I like personally having dealt with Rowdy Telez, um, when I was, you know, on the Blue Jays beat, like he's someone I always enjoyed dealing with. Like he's, he's actually a very, very funny guy is a very, uh, sarcastic sense of humor, which doesn't really necessarily come through in kind of the general media availability. Um, so, you know, I understand he was a favorite for a lot of people and I think he's a fan favorite, but, uh, yeah, it it just seemed like kind of a reasonable trade on both sides. Yeah. I mean, and the Jays were just, you know, uh, desperate at the time for, uh, uh, for bullpen help. I mean, yeah, like you said, in the talking about the previous one, you know, the wheels just fell off so hard on Chatwood. I mean, Raphael Dolis was hurt and terrible and terrible and hurt and, uh, you know, they just couldn't find anybody to bridge the gap to uh, uh, to Jordan Romano, basically. I mean, Tim Mesa sort of emerged at some point. I don't remember what the timeline was there, but yeah, they were just... Uh, and we see it in, you know, you mentioned the run differential in July. It was every, like every month had a positive run differential and a record like just barely above 500 or if not 500 itself, right? So, uh, you know, they just, they, yeah, they were just, they were burning games all the time. <laughs> Uh, because of that bullpen, and uh, and though Simber and Richards obviously weren't like massive, you know, transformational pieces, they they were like huge because of you know the the bar had been set so low. Yeah, they needed some floor raisers, and both those guys raised the floor in a significant way. Um, you know, and then the next trades, you know, there's a big one, right? The Barrios for Austin Martin and Simeon's Wood, Simeon Woods Richardson. Um, yeah, that was a huge prospect outlay. Like, we'd never seen this front office do that before. Uh, I think there was, you know, we talked about it at the time. There's a little bit of shock just because the image of what a lot of people believed Austin Martin was. Um, I don't think that image was actually particularly accurate. You know, this is a guy who was sort of supposed to dominate the minor leagues and be kind of almost MLB ready with the bat. And he came out in double A and he hit for basically no power. He had big OBPs, but those OBPs were juiced by getting plonked all the time. Um, now, I don't know how... Maybe the guy's Brandon Geyer. I don't know how repeatable it is. Maybe that's always going to be part of his game. 
Um, but you know, that's not when you're talking about top prospects, you don't want that to be sort of like a key tool that they're counting on. Um, he had some, will only break his hand once a year. Yeah. Yeah. He's had problems defensively. Um, not really looking like a shortstop, et cetera, et cetera. Now, not this, none of this is to say that he's a bad prospect. Like he still clearly, he can spray the ball. He can make good contact. The power is probably going to improve over time. It would shock nobody if he's an MLB regular and there's a world where he becomes an all-star. But I think a lot of Blue Jays fans had this impression of like, oh, this is the next guy that gets added to the core and it's going to be Vladdy and Bo and Austin Martin and he's right there in that mix. And he just hadn't shown himself to be that guy. And maybe he finds it with uh, Minnesota, although his results with Minnesota after he went over to their double-A team were very similar to what he did with Toronto. It's not like he went there and exploded. Um and Woods Richardson was a guy that I had very high hopes for coming into the season. And he was having a bit of a dicey year as well. He was one of those guys that because he's not a huge power stuff guy, you need him to get results. Because if a guy who's more of a, I mean, pitchability is kind of a bad word sometimes with prospects, but more of a command guile, variety of repertoire type of guy you're there's not as much to project and so you really you you want to see him just kind of dominate and uh outthink minor league hitters and he wasn't really doing that again he could very much become a good MLB starter that would shock nobody he's still young all of those things caveats apply but I think that when the Blue Jays fans saw this trade the value they attached to the names involved was not in line with what the, their value kind of in the industry was based on what they were doing. Yeah, I, I think that's not just true of Blue Jays fans, but I think of a lot of you know, a lot of people who comment on the industry and, and are in the industry were, you know, uh, you know, if you turn to the MLB network, you know, it would have been like, wow, look at what the Blue Jays gave up for for Jose Barrios, which uh uh, I, I which I think you're absolutely right. Obviously, and and you know Barrios, especially after he made a little mechanical adjustment. Uh, to tip your hat to Pete Walker again there. Uh, you know showed why and showed why they you know as I'm sure we will talk about they paid him a lot of money. Uh, to be here for a long time, which uh, which feels real great. I don't know. Uh, I I don't think that that anybody has the regret, and it's also the, the regrets. Or I don't think anybody has regrets, but also I think that like the the sticker shock thing. Uh was sort of complicated by the fact that like it's just so it's so easy and it's so it's so common that like oh once the prospect gets traded out of town oh now he's a bust uh you know which is you know like you say there's still lots of reasons to have hope for austin martin and, and simeon woods richardson i think that, you know, they're still very good prospects uh but you definitely do see the warts a lot more clearly uh when you don't have to like hang that hope on on a guy uh and I think that makes people sort of suspect of, of, you know, when that when that happens so so quickly, when that shift happens so quickly, it's sort of easy to be like, okay, or like, what are like, are we just kidding ourselves here and trying to make, you know, I, I think it 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 doesn't lead to people, uh, you know, assessing it, assessing the the them as uh, you know the the value of those players as quote unquote pieces of a trade. Uh, in, in in an accurate way, I guess you know it's. I think it's very easy to to be like, oh, you're just saying that because you know he's now out of town, and and I still think that this is way too high a price to pay. And I think that was sort of the discourse for a long time until you know, like you said, Martin 
uh, continued to hit the same way with the Twins, and Barrios, you know, after a couple of sort of wobbly starts, uh, looked like the the guy who's probably the ace of the Toronto Blue Jays for a long time. Yeah, and there's, you know, like you said, those guys could go on to good careers. I understand why the Twins did what they did, um, you know, in terms of their own competitive cycle. I also think they kind of bought the dip on a couple of guys. Like, they probably thought, okay, these guys aren't having the 2021 seasons that we would have assumed, um, but we still believe in the foundation, and both those guys have a lot of good qualities. Uh, and I'm not trying to position, like, oh, those guys are bust. But it is a lot of people... and. The, a lot of people read all their prospect stuff in the off season because that's when it comes out because that's when things aren't happening. And then they don't follow kind of what's going on with the prospects. So of course, and I'm guilty of that as well, 100%, because you get, you know, you get tied up in what's going on with the major league team. Um, but And sometimes that's all that's out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that there was a little bit of a misunderstanding about what that trade was. And also the fact that Barrios had the 2022 um year of team control was huge because not only did that mean that like this wasn't going to be a bust if they didn't make the playoffs which they ultimately didn't it also gave them a platform on which to build this extension that they later did with them um in a way that would have been much harder if he had been a free agent uh the other trades riley adams for brad hand uh you know arguably cost them the playoffs but you could say that about so many things when there's only one game between them and the playoffs but Getting Brad Hand was disastrous. Disastrous. Getting uh, Joaquin Soria for two players to be named later who ended up being minor prospects was not disastrous. It was irrelevant because he didn't really pitch. Um, Other stuff in July. Springer. This was sort of the Springer month. He was at the height of his powers. He was healthy. He was their best player a lot of the time. Um, Guys lower in the lineup, you know, Grichik, this is him totally falling off, Biggio, Gurriel Jr. It felt like the top of the lineup guys were really good, and there were some holes down low at this point. Pitching, Ryu was doing well. Ray had a sub-2 ERA. Simber looks good. We I for, forgot that Manoa went on the IL for slipping on the dugout steps. I thought I didn't realize it was I mean, I didn't realize. I didn't remember it was one of those kind of uh goofy injuries. Uh Romano had a rough month and this is also kind of during the sticky stuff discourse being at its height. That was sort of June, July. I think there was a lot of Romano panic at this point, um which didn't end up coming to fruition. He did sort of have to change what he did a little bit though i would oh yeah that's the wrong yeah right he he had to change his approach for sure but he ended up being effective nonetheless which um is not hard to do sometimes when you throw like 100 miles an hour uh just do that uh august 16 and 14 so this is sort of the letdown month right like they've done all of this to make the team better they've added barrios they've they've made the bullpen better um, this is when the team is sort of supposed to take off, and they when they 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 did when the you know when they came back to Toronto right yeah. that was I forget yeah. what the actual date was but it was right at the end of July yeah and they had that and they had a great series against the Red Sox and it, yeah early July everything the whole the whole homestand was great yeah. and then yeah. and then what you get you know Ray is incredible sub two ERA and FIP in forty one innings which is a hell of a workload for a month uh, for the record one and zero. Oh, on wins uh wins are dumb this is a good uh good place to just put that um matt 41 innings with a 176 era and he went one and oh yep 
Uh, Matt's had a weird month where he had a 130 ERA, uh, but didn't strike anyone out. It was odd. Barrios was Barrios. Manoa was Manoa. Ryu had a bad ERA, but his peripherals were okay. So you get this incredible rotation performance. 326 ERA, 299 FIP, and 168 innings. The bullpen wasn't that bad either. Like they were a sub four ERA, not not what you wanted to see, but they weren't that disaster that they had been prior other than Brad Hand, um, who I described in my notes as an abomination, apparently. Um, 822 ERA, 813 FIP, and 10 appearances. A lot of high leverage stuff too. Like that, the runs he gave up were runs that mattered. Um, even so, like you get this really great pitching performance and you just kind of assume... Uh, okay, well, when you've got that pitching performance and you've got this offense, you're going to have great results. And what happened was the offense was below average for the first month. Vladdy hits his big slump. Bichette, and also big slump is a 110 WRC+. plus, So that's better than league average. Um, Bichette was brutal. And when Bichette, we've talked to this before, but when Bichette is cold, it is really ugly to watch because very noticeable. Too, his yeah. approach is very chaotic at the best of times. And when it's chaotic and ineffective, it is not fun. So yeah, Bichette and Vladdy are not doing great. Springer is injured. And we touched on this before, but this felt like the height of the fire Charlie era. Like you've got the team... And it's not going well. It's funny, like we in the NHL, we talk about coaches often, how we talk about coaches' performance being basically how well their goalies are doing. Like coaches who, who have great goalies end up getting a lot of credit. Uh, I think in baseball, it can go that way with hitters a lot of the time because there's not that much a, a manager can do about hitters. Like you can do lineup matching um, to certain pitchers. You can move guys up and down, I guess. But really, you've kind of most teams have a, a handful of good hitters, and if those good hitters aren't hitting, you're kind of out of luck, and you're going to lose a bunch of games. And it feels like that was sort of what was happening with Montoyo in August. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair, and you know, and, and uh, as much as people would have liked to him to have recognized, you know, the disaster that was unfolding in Brad Hand's season, uh, maybe a little sooner. Um, you know the guys at the top, that his bosses brought that guy in and was like, "Here's a guy that you you need to use in high leverage situations." And I think we sometimes forget about that sort of stuff too. But yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, hitting wise, it definitely you know as much as hand was real bad, real real bad, right? Just right from the start, and and uh, just an unfortunate thing all around. And 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 one of those guys we sort of talked about off the top about like. A reclamation project that is sort of an old, you know, an older Blue Jays move or, you know, one from an era that already feels in the past. Whereas, you know, now it's like, OK, you you can't put your season on the line in, in the hands of Brad Hand, who you think is going to be better than than he is. It's like, no, now now they're sort of in a spot where, you know, were the situation the same in 2022? Uh, it's like, no, no, you got to empty some prospects out of your system and get somebody to you know, make sure that this is, you know, the bullpen, the back of the bullpen is locked down because you only have so many opportunities to, uh, to piss away, which they unfortunately sort of did this year with their, their great opportunity. Uh, but yeah, this was the, this was the month of, like you say, Springer got hurt again. Uh, that was that, uh, that, that West coast road trip where he crashed into the wall. Um, and you know, everything just sort of unraveled from there, I think. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, it it was it was a rough month, and it it just there had been this assumption, right? They're coming home. They've made these trades. Now this is it, and they're gonna go. And I think you know, I think we believe that. I think a lot of people believe that that it was well, especially after they did yeah, go, yeah. you know, for the you know the first part of the month at the on that homestand, yeah. And then in September it all happens, right? Like they're nineteen and nine with a plus forty eight run differential. The pitching actually wasn't great. So four thirty ERA, four sixty seven FIP for the whole team, but they just mashed. Like the whole team just mashed. Like Vladdy was fully back. Bichette Hernandez, Gurriel Jr. really came on at the end of the year. Semyon was there. Uh, so for the month, they hit 128 WRC plus with a 512 slugging. Uh, to put that in perspective, the most similar MLB player this year to that is JD Martinez. So the entire team was nine JD Martinez's every night um, for a month. And that's a good way to win more than twice as many games as you lose, which is exactly what happened. The, you can see how good the rotation could be, even though it was more the previous month when they'd been that great, but it was still, it coalesced. Pearson and Merriweather were back. You know, neither of them really hit the ground running as you might have expected, but it just it felt better. It felt like the bullpen had some ammunition. Like the Brad Hands of the world obviously ended up leaving, but you those situations where you feel like you don't you only have one guy you could possibly go to it felt like they were fewer and farther between uh, for sure yeah and then you hit october blue jays go three and oh sweep the Orioles. they're unbeaten in october normally that's a good thing um it's really that final day right it's the nationals had a four run lead with four innings left couldn't do it couldn't hold that lead. Now they've had a notoriously bad bullpen for years now. I believe Patrick Murphy was part of that. Um, was part of that uh, failure to hold the lead. Um, and then the Rays couldn't score for a run in nine innings. Like they'd been an incredible offense all season long, especially after getting Nelson Cruz, and they just couldn't put one on the Yankees. And so the Blue Jays missed out. That was a that was a rough day. I mean. I fuck like when the it for me like when the Rays did not beat the Yankees and couldn't manage to beat the Yankees. I like I was at a bar somewhere and we were watching it on uh you know uh, they it, you know it's not a not in a baseball town per se here in Peterborough. Um so it was like one game at a time and so we were kind of keeping our I had my phone on with the with the Nationals Red Sox game and we had on the TV the Yankees and and uh and Rays and man, when the stupid fucking Rays could not score a goddamn run, I like you know I just knew it. I like you could you could talk to my friends about how bitter I, I was. Just like the the national, we can't. I'm not putting my faith in the Nationals. They are going to fuck this up. I know they're going to fuck this up. And uh, of course they did because they were fucking trash, especially at that point in the season after they just traded everybody with an ounce of talent, not named Juan Soto on their entire team. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about how Mike Trout being what Mike Trout's been and the Angels still sucking, and then you can apply that to Otani last year. Uh, it's sort of the perfect indication that one player can't swing a baseball team. A better indication is what Juan Soto did at the end of 2021 when he was in nothing short of incredible and it made no difference whatsoever because the Nationals were truly trash. Um, yeah, so then the Blue Jays, we get, fans get to watch, you know, 
Billy McKinney and Rowdy Telez do stuff in the playoffs and get to feel all conflicted about the Atlanta Braves, uh, which was a lot of fun about how the Braves had won fewer games than the Blue Jays and had won the World Series. And, you know, I don't know, we're we're two years into the whole COVID-19 business. So if you still think that life is fair, um, I appreciate your ability to do that. Um, but you know, life's not fair. The system for, I'm not to, not to say that things in MLB can never change and they can't think of a better system, but if anything, it's going the other way, cause they're going to expand the playoffs and more, not very good teams are going to make the playoffs. And then you're going to have even like, if you were mad about the Atlanta Braves world series at some point in the future, you're going to be more mad about somebody else. Cause it's, it's only going that way in the future. <laughs> True. And then October, I guess also what we had Robbie Ray got a Cy Young. Yeah, we had the uh, the awards. Vlad had the uh you know, there were there were some some poor unfortunate souls convinced that Otani shouldn't win the MVP and got very mad about that, which was fun for a, a couple days. Uh Vlad had a great year, not to take anything away from him, obviously, but Otani was clearly the MVP. Um and then uh and then yeah, it was just it was over so quickly. That one that one dreadful day. Uh, really sucked a lot <laughs> wind out of the fan base for obvious reasons. Yeah, and I think you know, luckily the the off season. I mean, we'll see what happens again. Um, but is I think it's kind of encouraging, and I think people are going to be back with optimism in 2022, despite the losses of Ray and Semyon, which happened in November. They brought in Kevin Gosman as a direct Ray replacement. I think that's a. I think it was a good move. You know, you get the draft pick capital working in the right direction, where you get both of the picks coming in. You sign them to a similar contract, a little bit more team friendly. And you know, Gosman and Ray had pretty similar years in 2021. They're pretty similar pitchers in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Gosman doesn't have the same, let's call it charisma or f- dramatic flair of watching Robbie Ray. Yeah, his pants are gonna bore you. Um, but his pitching won't. He's got a great splitter. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then getting Barrios too on this huge seven-year extension. He's the perfect guy to extend that length because of you know the durability, the consistency, and having two guys at the top of your rotation like that, and then having Alc Manoa around for a decent amount of time. Like that's a hell of a foundation to build on for for your starting pitching and then you've got and also uh, as if you recall i mean like four of those months we talked about was like yeah Ryu was great yeah he he clearly fell off badly at the end and and that's a concern um but man i mean if he if he looks more like the guy that he was before and you know in going out of the gate in 2022 uh that's a ridiculous rotation. Well, kind of what he was for the Dodgers was sort of their fourth starter in a rotation that had a lot of great pitchers. And that's sort of what the Blue Jays want him to be for them. And there's there's no reason he can't be that in 2022 and perhaps beyond into 2023. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We come to the end of this year. I mean, December, nothing happened. So we, we can just, let's move past December. Uh, it's nothing. So... Kind of wrapping up our thoughts of the 2021 Toronto Blue Jays experience, there's so much to be optimistic about. I know that the season ended on this bitter, bitter note, but in terms of the level of spending they're willing to go to, unprecedented, the level of prospects they're willing to give up to win now, we saw that for the first time. We know that Vladdy's going to be the guy that we thought he could be. 
And I'm not saying like next year he might not be as good as he was in 2021, but we know that he's not going to be the guy we saw in 2019, 2020. We know what his potential is and that he's capable of reaching that potential. Whether he does that consistently, who's to say? But we know that. Bo Bichette, you know, I think there's probably too much certainty about him heading into 2021, but he did it over a full season. He did it. He locked it in. This is the guy Bichette can be. Hell, even Teoscar Hernandez, if people were still doubting him after his sort of late 2019 breakout and then 2020, you can lock him in as well. Like, there, not a lot went poorly for the Blue Jays in 2021 in terms of the outlook of this franchise. Like, the, the one thing you can kind of point to is Nate Pearson kind of going off rails a bit when he maybe coming to the year you saw him as a bigger part of the long-term picture. But hell, like, other than that, there's not a lot you look at and say this team is going in the wrong direction. Like, it's almost impossible to find data points that support that. No, I, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I mean, they, they clearly recognize, you know, Vlad is, Vlad's only going to be here for so long uh, or, you know, Vlad's only going to be relatively cheap for so long. Uh, and you gotta, you know, you gotta make good on that. And they're, uh, you know, they've definitely been sort of pointing and moving in the, the right direction for, for quite some time. And it's all really lining up well with Vlad and Bo and Teoscar, you know, still is, you know, le- to a lesser extent and for a shorter time. Um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's really, uh, it's really something that they got here. And, and, you know, I don't know if you mentioned Springer who, you know, <laughs> the, his, his, the health that he'll have over the rest of that contract is maybe a bit, uh, uh you know, gives you a bit of pause, but, uh, but man, such an incredible player when he is healthy and on the field, uh, and a guy who, you know, we worry about the, the loss of production from Marcus Simeon leaving, you know, I think they'll, they'll still bring in another guy. Ideally, Jose Ramirez, but the, the, you need Cleveland to want to do that to make that happen. But you know, they'll bring in somebody uh, to help with that. But also helping with it will be having Springer for you know more than just eighty-two games, and also helping with the rotation will be having Manoa and Barrios for full seasons. And you know, you know, going through that exercise that we just did, you know, there was a lot of starts that went to the Zoics and the Rorks and the Thorntons and openers and all sorts of guys who. Uh, you know, you'll have to see those because that's just the nature of pitching. But you know, to have Barrios and Manoa there from day one is is going to is is going to you know lead to a lot of good things for the Jays. I think, especially if Ryu is back to where you know he should be. Ed Gossman obviously will be a a, a a fine replacement for Robbie Ray, even though he may not you know be a Cy Young guy. Uh, he doesn't have to be, like you said. You know, the, you know, one of their best months, the the pitching wasn't great. Uh, but they mashed and that was, you know, that, that's something that this team could do. It can weather, it, it can weather, uh, a bad pitching month or a bad hitting month by the looks of, you know, how the roster is taking shape. And, uh, and that just will put them in an excellent position to once again, you know, be right in the thick of it all the way to the end. And hopefully actually, you know, uh, <laughs> into October for more than just three games game. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thanks everyone for sticking with us through, you know, the eight months i think that's how the math works of uh, blue jays happy hour in 2021 uh we appreciate you guys tuning in and we will be back oh you know at some point when something happens uh and hopefully something will happen at some point so we'll see you then <laughs>